the Human-Centric Podcast. The podcast all about the talents of today and tomorrow. Presented by Deutsche Telekom. Okay, so Senior VP John Abrahamson has just kind of graced our studio with his presence, hasn't he, Svetlana? What are some main findings from today's episode? He definitely did, Hannah, and we talk a lot about digital. He really managed to demystify what digital means for us in Deutsche Telekom, what it means for leadership, skill set for experts and for every single one of us, and for the mindsets. And we talk a bit what do we actually mean by the word expert these days, didn't we? Yes. I finally feel as though I'm getting to understand what it actually means. You know, everyone's saying that the future will be digital, but here's a guy who demystifies it and also makes it possible to assume that even if you're working in Deutsche Telekom already and you have been for many years, you will be part of the digital future. Such important messages in here. Go and listen, people. Listen up. Important one, this one. And here we are. Welcome to the next episode of Human-Centric Podcast. And I'm super excited to have John Abrahamson here with us. John is Senior Vice President, Digital Experience and Delivery in Europe segment of Deutsche Telekom. And I'm quite excited for two reasons. Uh, the first one, because John is one of the first faces I've seen in DT when I joined You were the first one in the oh, zone. That goes back. Oh, really? Yeah. And the second one, because the moment I told people that we are recording a podcast with you, my WhatsApp went mad. Oh, dear. <laughs> I've got so many questions about what is this digital and what you actually are doing here. So welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, like Svetlana was saying, John, we actually had this experience of people sending us so many questions when they heard you were coming on. And I'm guessing you guys can fill me in on that. But I was really curious, like, what is it that's being aroused here? What is it that we are expecting to find in this episode? And I think part of it is to try and pick apart this whole topic of the digital experts of the future. Like, what is it we're going to be needing? And what is it actually going to be like to be us in a future where the digitalization is like coming in so uh, dramatically in mm. a way. But to start us off, John, we do want you to explain a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about your story. And to start us off, I was very curious about something you said when we were doing the research, when you said you are so happy about the job you have right now. It sounded a bit like you were willing to kind of fight to keep it somehow. <laughs> And uh, so here's my question number one for you. Tell us, what is so exciting about the work that you get to do these days? Thank you. I think it's true. I mean, I would put down a bet and fight anyone who told me that they, their job was better than mine or more, <laughs> more exciting than mine. Um, I think, you know, so the, the role that we have in the context of telco is so broad but so massive. And I think you know, where we are as an industry and where we need to be, there is still so much work to be done. But the wonderful thing about working at a place like DT and in, in telco more broadly is that we're very established businesses. We have huge scale. We have millions mm. of customers across the group and those customers are expecting a certain level of experience and interaction with us. And these are areas where with the right skill sets, with the right people, with the right investment, mm. we can make huge progress in. So that's really why I love the job. It's the scope, it's the scale and it's the ability to work with really smart people. It sounds like you're kind of not afraid to really like get your hands dirty and do a piece of work here. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. There's, there's, there's so much to do and, yeah. and so much opportunity. And I think, 
you know, telco is going through a bit of a sort of a, a renaissance now, I think, through this corona pandemic where people are starting to realise the value uh, that we can bring to customers' lives. But with that realisation comes an expectation about how they want to interact with us. And, mm. you know, they don't compare us to other telcos. They compare us to Netflix or Facebook or Amazon or Uber. And we really need to be making investments now to catch up in the sort of expectations that customers make, uh, customers have of us rather, uh, when they compare a digital experience for the companies that they deal with on a day-to-day basis. So if I take a comparison like from the outside world and look at it from a general perspective, part of what you're saying is that we are all being a bit reborn by this pandemic, aren't we? We're having to reinvent ourselves. More ways than one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for sure, telcos is definitely a place where you see that happening. So there was this one place where I wanted to take you because you spoke to me about, as a leader, of course, then in this field where there's so much work to be done and so much, it sounds like there's a need for real courage, huh? When there's so much new stuff happening and and so much evolving to do. And yet you're telling me as a leader that you really thrive on employing people who are actually, you in your eyes anyway, better than you at what you do. Am I right? Did I get that right? Listen, I've, I've made a, an incredibly blessed career in hiring people who are smarter than me. I love doing that. And I like to surround myself with those people. I think, you know, this is such a broad field and there are so many nuances. It's moving so fast. But I think, you know, product people in general, of which I would consider myself, love building things. I love being around things being built. And there's always going to be mm. someone in this field who knows it better, who has done it before, who has done it a different way. And I think the scope that we have within DT to sort of bring these people together, unleash them on a task is so broad. And, and I think that's, you know, that's a major part of the fun that we're having at the moment. Okay, thanks for saying that. And now I want to kind of try and dig beneath because I would imagine just in my life as the consultant that I am, I would dare to say, yes, on my team, there are people who I would say are better than me at stuff. But I would still say somewhere along the line, wouldn't your ego get a little bit hurt by like employing or frightened by employing people you think are better than you? Or is that just me? I think it's just you. No, no, (laughs) Uh, not not at all. I mean, I think, like I said, this is such a broad area. um, And it would be actually impossible to be an expert in all the fields that we cover Digital is one of these topics which True. means so many different things to so many different people and it can you know, be everything from solving world peace to world hunger and everything in between. So actually it would be impossible to be an expert in everything and because it's becoming so specialised now and the, the technology that we use now is becoming so specialised and so specific to different parts of the interaction that we have, actually you can specialise and we can bring in experts from these individual fields. The magic happens mm. when we bring these people together and let mm. them, you know, go at a task. And that's really where, you know, we see we have the most fun. So when you're bringing experts together to be co-creative, that's when the fun starts. Absolutely. And seeing the outputs that's that they, 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 they have. And again, building on in a telco context where we're not, say, in startup mode where we're looking to scratch for customers. I mean, Deutsche Telekom has millions of customers across the globe now. So, and these customers are all interacting with us on a day-to-day basis. They all rely on us for their livelihoods now mm. um, and for their interactions. So Mm. that hard part in digital, which quite often in other industries people find in trying to get scale, we don't have that problem. Uh, We have scale from day one. We already have, we're an incumbent business. We have, you know, all these customers waiting to interact with us. So, you know, building platforms and capabilities on top of that immediately gives you scale and we don't have to try for that. So that's another big task that makes it much more fun here to work. Yeah. Yeah. 
it sounds like you're messing about with really huge, uh, like very powerful um, forces. Like in, in so many ways, things are easy and explodable in a way. Yeah, it's, I think uh, you get immediate feedback because, you know, people have certain expectations and the ability for us to test something, try it out and expose it to a million customers, something that we can do very easily. And you know very quickly as well if they're happy with it or if they're not. And, but again, given that we're mm. able to move quite quickly in digital, you can obviously always increment and improve the services as we go. So in the middle of this pandemic with all its kind of negative connotations and moods, I guess, here's a little bit of like an upper, here's a bit of inspiration and curiosity and possibility. Absolutely. I mean, I think you yeah. know, the corona situation was very challenging for society, but in the digital space, it's been an absolute boon. So you mm. know, we, we have to sort of weigh that um, when, we, when mm. we were too effusive about the, the fun that we're having at the moment, but certainly it's, it's made our jobs and our tasks much more important. So back to this job that you have now and, and the way you feel about it. Congratulations on being so happy about the job that you have. Tell us a little bit, just, just in a few minutes in your own words. Tell us your story. How did you get to where you are today? Well, you probably realize it's not a German here? accent. So um, I was born in Australia and grew up there. I did an economics and marketing degree, but joined a graduate program at a company called Optus, which is a telco in the Australian market. I was there for a number of years doing a, a, a series of sales and marketing roles, but took an opportunity to move overseas with my family. So I should mention, probably most importantly, married with two daughters who basically run the family and run the household, so I, I, <laughs> oh. I, I live to serve. Oh. Um, but uh, we, we took the opportunity to leave Australia and move to Singapore to work at Singtel, where we were there for a few years. Optus was part of the Singtel group, as was Airtel in India. So we thought, you know, we got to know the Singapore market and Singtel and we thought what better opportunity than to explore further in the group. So we moved to India, which couldn't be more different from Singapore. And we were there for a couple of years and I would have to say that was probably the most formative, exciting part of my career and my personal life to date. I think both myself and my family probably learned more from those few years in India than mm. at any other point in my career before that. But I wanted to stay married so I had to move on and uh, oh I had the opportunity to, to join DT and move to Germany. So that's how I come to be here. So just take me back to India for a second. Can you say, just Telegram style, what was the learning? What is it you're picking up there? So I think, I mean, we we're talking before about scale. India is a country of 1.3, 1.4 billion people. Um, mm. You know, we moved from Singapore where, you know, it's a population of about 5 million to Gurgaon where we lived. Uh, which is a suburb just outside of Delhi, which has 40 million people. You know, so then coming to Bonn wow. with 300,000, it's sort of a, a, it's a different uh, end of the spectrum. But that whole country is just amazing. I think anybody who hasn't visited needs to visit at least once. It's very difficult to explain in the amount of time that we have today, but I think it's a country which is growing immensely. It's full of intensely smart people who work incredibly hard. Mm. And, you know, I watch it with great interest as it grows through this growth phase. Uh, in the economy and really looking forward to seeing what that, what that country becomes because it's an amazing place. Mm, they sure do have work ethics, don't they? <laughs> Incredible. Unlike anything I've seen. So it's been, it, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was great to, I, I learned a lot there. And again, from a personal point of view as well, I think my wife and my kids also learned a huge amount from living there. So yeah, definitely on the list. I was about to say, because I can understand from a professional point of view that moving around like this is going to have to be educational somehow. And you're meeting different cultures, but just for a second, let's talk about the missus and the kids. They must have been so flexible to go along with you. Uh, I mean, I what think has my, it done to your 
My, my children yeah, are very confused, very confused. You know, if you ask them where they're from, <laughs> they, they never quite know. They speak with American accents because they go to American <laughs> schools, which bothers me a little bit. You know, I think for them, it's very normal. At least my kids, they've lived outside of Australia longer than they ever lived in Australia. They grew up, you know, their formative years in Singapore, you know, in that market, very different to, you know, going to school in India where you're, it's quite often to see monkeys and pigs on the side of the road, you know, on the way to school mm. or, or in the schoolyard to coming to Germany, which were so different again. But I think, you know, it's a nice thing that we're sort of, you know, inculcating into them that they're very international, this concept of living internationally and meeting and, and growing that way and, and living in countries where, English is not their first language, I think, has been quite good for them. So I wish I had the same when I was a kid. Um, you know, they miss their grandparents a little bit, or at least their grandparents miss them a little bit. But I think the benefits far outweigh that. So if we take that to be a kind of, there's a recipe for like broadening your comfort zones here, isn't there? And what you're saying is that you have to realize that you will miss some things, but you, on the other hand, you do benefit from however you travel, whether it's from one department to another, whether it's from one country to another in a way. And so you should really thank your kids and your wife, I guess, you to, uh, for having been so flexible and go along with you. Absolutely. I, I, you're, you're actually promoting this, aren't you, as a kind of recipe for expanding your work horizons. Am I right? Absolutely. I think I wouldn't be where I am today without the opportunity to work across uh, these different markets. I, um, mm. you know, I've, I follow the telco industry and Telco is similar between the different markets, but the opportunity to essentially start from scratch again from a networking point of view, from a market understanding point of view, from an industry understanding point of view, from a regulatory point of view, uh, each of these mm. is different in every market. So having to start again every few years really sort of forces you out of a comfort zone. It doesn't let you get comfortable. Um, and I think that's, you know, you know, the biggest fear is always mediocrity. So, you know, forcing yourself to always start again, I think, is, is very healthy. And it really forces you to, uh, to sort of, you know, push yourself. And I think that's been a, oh, uh, a great... I love that. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I'm going to stop you there when you're saying the biggest fear is actually mediocrity. So the biggest fear isn't being super, super bad at something, but actually mediocrity in itself. Right. That's really interesting. When I was thinking about this topic and I was thinking about myself and having seen what travel does to people I coach in the corporate world at large... I would so agree with you. I've seen so many, many examples of people actually like visiting different cultures. And I think when we visit a culture that's not our own, we realize something about our own culture. So you start becoming aware of like, oh, that's why I do this. Or my culture is full of that. And you become more able to maybe create choices that are wiser. I was thinking, Svetlana, maybe I could throw this one to you, Mrs. Ukraine. You What's know, it been like for you? Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm listening to Joan and I'm saying, yes, 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 inside myself. Because my kids who never lived in Ukraine, they are Ukrainians. And I have to explain to them why you're not Norwegians and why you are Ukrainians, even though you never <laughs> lived um, in that country. But I think if I would go back to myself, who was the younger one in my 20s, and I would give advice to myself, I would say never even doubt going internationally because I would also not become who I am today without having experience of mm. you know, living in Bulgaria, Ukraine, Norway, traveling to Asia, working there for a number of countries. So that changes you. And I think you become much more open to diversity. 
Yeah, and mm. to diversity, not mm. just in the culture perspective, diversity of opinions, backgrounds, education, and diversity, as we have been discussing with Johanna, is not easy. <laughs> it actually comes with no. sweat and blood. It's really make most out of it. But that gives you more potential for uncover that diversity. Training your diversity muscles, yes. And, and like I said, this perspective has been so important for me, at least, to see that when I come from a culture and I live for long enough in a different culture, you actually start seeing what your own culture is about and thereby you get conscious about the choices you've made. Because at the end of the day, we are the sums of the cultures that we are brought up in, aren't we? Unless we kind of make conscious shifts. What are we saying here, guys? We're saying move around. Is that what we're saying to people? If at all possible, I think, yeah, it's not possible to get the kind of learning without the international experience. I think if, if there's ever an opportunity to go for that, it's something you should jump on. It shouldn't be seen as a, mm. you know, a, an imposition. It should be seen as a huge opportunity. Mm. So even if it's scary, it's kind of go there. And also yeah. I would say that uh, take the opportunity, if you have the opportunity to, to go around, uh, I also would say to the CEOs, open up the opportunities. Because that also creates a lot of momentum and opportunity, not just for individual, but for a company per se, when you bring diverse talent and run teams, projects, business together with the diverse talents internationally as well. That sounds so true. It does. Should we go into the digital stuff? A little yeah, bit, I, I, you know, John, you started saying the digital is so diverse, you know, from hunger to world peace. Mm. So, so and I think that's one of the reasons why so many questions are popping up on my WhatsApp. So what is digital for telecom? What are those digital experts that you are hiring and you are bringing inside the company? Well, again, I think as we mentioned before, there's no one specific type. For these platforms, which are so central to the work that we do, we look to now work less through vendors, which is, I think, um, you know, we seem to, in this industry, always go through this sort of big swings from insourcing to outsourcing. We're definitely on the insourcing swing now, specifically when it comes to these core platforms, which, which are so important for us. So it's everything from software engineering through architecture, through analytics, through product marketing through CVM, through, you know, it, it really runs the full gamut of, of, of capability mm. that we're looking to bring into the company now. And CVM stands for, just for the listeners? Uh, customer value marketing. <laughs> so, so it's, it's how, how, we, how we value uh, yeah. and interact with customers and, you know, continue to sell and upsell to those customers. Yeah. So digital is our, this is basically a profession in different domains. Mm. So you have to be experts in different domains and work in the digital space. More or less. And the domains, the ones that you mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, CVM, uh, data, product development, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Can you develop those experts inside the company? Uh, or is it more that we have to bring in the new blood into the company to have this different type of thinking? I think it's definitely a mix. And I think it has to be a mix. Because certainly for the, the hardcore experts, these people that tend to have devoted their career up until this date on that specific topic. So likely not potentially coming from a telco market where, you know, they would have potentially working on other topics up until that point. So bringing in some of those anchor hires to take some of the more deeper topics is important for us. But we also, I mean, telco is a very specific industry and we need telco knowledge and telco understanding and that sort of commercial understanding as well. And blending the two is where the value comes in. So essentially what we need is the new blood coming in, bringing mm -hmm. the, the high-end tech mm -hmm. uh, talent and being mixed with the really strong core telco people who need to learn some of the digital mm -hmm. technology to, mm -hmm. um, to develop themselves. But I think between those two outcomes, we end up with where yeah. we need to be. 
How do you develop inside the company, John? I'm having right now scouting for talents. I'm talking to a number of people, which sometimes are fascinating stories across. You could have people in the sales who have been you know, selling and having high numbers who really want to move to digital product development or people who are working with social media and who want to go to product development, but they don't necessarily know how. Yeah, mm-hmm. So they know they want to make a shift. It's a bit scary, but they also understand that's what they desire. They want to. So what would be your advice? You know, how to develop that competence that Drop me an email. <laughs> Drop me an email. Happy to chat. I think. Uh. I mean, it's it's a, it's. I mean, it's true. I think the good thing about this part of the industry, it's not like maybe other disciplines which have been around for twenty or thirty years, and you need fifteen years worth of experience to become, mm. you know, uh, into this field. Because these capabilities and these these tasks are not that old, mm. um, and they're constantly developing mm. now. So you can pick it up. I think ultimately you need to have a knack and understanding for technology, understanding mm-hmm. how things work. I think that's going to be important. Um, mm-hmm. there's, no, there's no getting away from that part. But if you have that self-motivation about mm. being interested, then to be honest, you know, maybe it's a, a big secret we shouldn't tell, but what we're doing is not rocket science and, you know, and it can be learned and it, you can develop in that space. So, yeah, absolutely happy to chat to people who are interested in joining the team. That's super cool. But tell us a bit more, how do you learn? Is it kind of following the projects or is it kind of like trainings online or uh, shadowing a team? How can I, you know... I think you How mentioned uh, three very good op- very good approaches. I think there's a mixture of all of the above. Mm-hmm. I think there's tons of stuff you can learn online and there's tons of white papers that talk about the really awesome product companies and how they operate and, and how they approach product development and product management. Self-learning is always important to sort of augment the learning. But I think, to be honest, the best way is, is on the job. So if you can find a way of being you know, attached to a, mm. a, a product team, um, pick up mm. some topics, learn on the job and develop it and you can see how, how much you like it. And obviously that can be expanded with you know, online learning mm. and the like as well. But to be honest, on the job, supplemented by self-learning, I think is the, the best way to get into it. So what John is mm. saying, Han, is just, just start. So if you have a desire, <laughs> just start. There are multiple ways of yeah. getting there. We had some time back, John, we had a conversation with you about digital also being a mindset. Mm. And uh, that digital expertise is not something that only experts should have, but also we would maybe demand it from the management teams as well to mm-hmm. really understand the impact. So how does digitization and what is happening right now impacting our management teams, impacting our leadership? How do we have to change and adopt to that? Mm. I, mean, I think we are changing and adopting. I think if we look at the progress that's been made in Europe over the last couple of years, there's been huge progress. Our app two years ago was in 20% of customers' hands. Now it's in 62% of customers' mm. hands. Every month in Europe, 62 out of every 100 customers opens our app and has an interaction. That wasn't driven by me or, mm. or, or my team. That was driven by the management teams and the NATCOs. We've just passed a billion euros in payments via the app um, wow. In the last month, you know, mm. we have countries like Slovakia who do upwards of sixty percent of their tariff changes via the app. So these changes are happening now, and, and we've made, uh, or at least the team has made, huge progress in this space. So I feel that momentum growing, which again is another reason why I love the job so much. Mm. Um, and I think looking forward now, what we see is more doubling down in this space. I think, and this is where I think you know the crux comes. We've done 
made good progress in measuring and understanding how we interact with customers through digital channels, but we still have customers who interact with us through offline mm-hmm. channels mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to a huge degree as well. So this year now we start to bring in digital measurement of offline interactions and really sort of getting very mm. deep uh, mm. insights into how customers are interacting with us in offline channels. We can mm-hmm. marry that with our online digitally understanding of the customer and really get a very holistic view of how we measure our customers' experience, which then lets us intervene as well. So, so sorry, a long answer to a short question, but yeah, I think there's progress there and I can see further progress coming in this space. And it becomes like, you know, when John describes it as business as usual, so now digital feels yeah. like business as usual. It, I mean, again, the, the business has moved a long way in three years, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I just want to comment, John, that you make it sound so easy. It's so simple. Uh-huh. <laughs> you make it sound so simple, like it's just going to happen. You know, it's really... Uh, that's inspiring in itself, I think. If we then reframe the question, because what you're saying about the um, management teams across Europe and in the NATCO is actually NATCO actually being, of course, your local operations uh, in the different company. countries. Apologies, yes. <laughs> you are saying they are doing something right. So rather than saying what should they do more of or less of, you're saying they are doing something which is leading to very good results. Can you pinpoint what is it, what kind of leadership behavior really drives digital success these days? Is it like loose or tight? Is it hard or mild? What is it? I think you need to break it down into two components. I think there was a a component around the technology that's available to solve these things. And there was an investment that was required over the first couple of years of our journey here to address some of that technology. That's not a job that's ever finished. Uh, but it's difficult to make too much progress without some level of hygiene around the sort of technology and tools that we're using. So that's really where we mm. invested the time over the first couple of years. But it was, you know, if you build it, they will come and they came, right? Now that we're able to see the value that digital and digitization can bring, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And as you're starting to measure things, and that's one wonderful thing about uh, digital is measurement is very, very easy and very, very scalable and very, very insightful, much more so than potentially traditional channels. You start seeing the insights and the interventions that you can take on those insights, which, you know, paints a very, very simple picture for, for a management team to understand how they balance their time. I think, you know, mm. we, we hire very smart people into management positions in the company and if they can see the value, it makes sense to make the progress there. So hiring the right people even for those positions is really important. I am hearing agile way of work and I am for sure hearing growth mindset. If I imagine that some of those managers have been around at least for a decade or maybe two, then actually being on top of the tempo that things are happening in right now, it must be a challenge, surely. Or am I wrong? I think, you know, challenge, yes, no doubt. But, you know, if you're having fun at work, then it's good, right? And this is fun stuff to do because, yeah. you know, the input versus the output when you get it right is so multiplicative. I think people are enjoying the progress that we're making. So, you know, yeah, that, that's been a core driver there. Enjoyment as a means of success. That's interesting. And passion, so, Hannah. Um, I can also feel passion here. Yeah, here we go again. Here We've we had go this... Again. Uh, uh, Weird experience, John, of every person who's been on the show so far talking about talent, talent development, talent maintenance, talent search, whatever it is, we end up discussing the word passion. Mm. It's very interesting. And without passion, maybe we're not really able to kind of bring our talents to the table somehow. Unless we have a desire to do so, we can be as talented as we want somehow. So as a tourist looking in, so I'm not actually employed in a telecom company. I travel across loads of fields of expertise within a a kind of working month. 
I am so curious about like what are the hotshot first visible results that we're going to be seeing in the next few years of the digitalization? What's it going to be like to be an end user and also an employee in Deutsche Telekom just a few years from now? What are the biggest differences we're going to see? I'm not a futurist. I think that's always a, a tough question to answer. But I think if we follow the breadcrumbs of what's happened, I think more and more digital tools, more and more digital ways of working. Again, as we mentioned before, the corona crisis has changed the way we work fundamentally uh, and how we interact with each other. The fact that our development centre, we have an in-house development centre in India now, which does all the development for all our central platforms across broadband, television and digital, you know, they had to go into lockdown in Gurgaon and, Mm. um, you know, has been closed down for uh, coming up on a year now. If you would have told me before that, that we could close the center for a year and have absolutely zero impact on output, I would not have believed you. But ultimately, it just works. People have found a way and it just works. I used to travel one to two countries per week in my role in Europe. That was the way that we just operated. Now that doesn't happen. I haven't haven't, Mm. haven't been on a plane for, you know, six or seven months. So we interact in that fashion. So the usage of digital tools and Mm. digital insights, I think, is going to be a core component of, of how our jobs change, but not just in the digital space, you know, across the business, whether it's commercial teams, mm. finance teams, HR teams, everybody now sees the value of interacting in this way. And whilst, you know, it's nice to be in the room and give someone a hug, uh, it's not always possible. So uh, at least mm. we get the next best thing and we can be actually get some efficiency through this process as well. So a careful medium so, between the two would be nice. Yeah. So right now you're not being a futurist, you're being a realist. This is what it's like already, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I think what we've learned is that it was almost forced upon us And I think Mm. if things would have returned to normal after a month, we probably would have gone back to how things were before. I don't think they Mm. will now. Um, I think even once, you know, once we're through this current crisis, I think fundamentally the way that we work and the way that we interact with our customers and how our customers interact with us has fundamentally changed and won't Mm. return to the way it was before. And I think that's great for this part of the industry at least. I guess the corona, it's so obvious, isn't it? It has been a bit of a disruptor, hasn't it? It's just plain good old-fashioned disruption with a positive effect as well. I think what I get curious about there, of course, is the human angle to that and what it actually does to us over time not to be able to interact in the same room, not to be able to read body language or read the mood in the same way or chit-chat and small talk. There's so many things that people say they're missing out on these days. And I'll be very curious to see what research says about that a few years from now. Absolutely. But you, my friend, are telling us that your job is pretty goddamn exciting right now. And I'm just curious to kind of start taking us towards a, a finishing off. If I was... A young talent out there in the world looking to see where I would want to be employed, what would make me want to come exactly to Deutsche Telekom? What would be the the attraction right there? Well, I mean, I think there's a few components to this. I think firstly, the scale at which we operate, which I spoke about before, is massive and you start on day one with that. But Mm. the progress that we've made in digital versus other industries is not the same. We're not anywhere near as digital as companies that were born in a digital environment. So the scope of the roles that we have here is much broader than what you would find at some of the traditional gaffers uh, of the world where they're so big and you're, you know, product manager X looking at this button on this page mm-hmm. for four levels deep. Our business hasn't scaled to that level yet. So the opportunity for super broad roles, looking across super broad areas, working on the technology stacks and building things from scratch. I think that's specifically in the engineering space. That's an area which really sort of gets 
gets engineers' blood going, the fact that they can build something from scratch and have that on a resume as something which hasn't existed before rather than incrementing on the minutiae, which potentially happens in other parts of the industry. I think that's really where the excitement comes in, in this industry. So the scale, the breadth of the roles, and the fact that DT ultimately, and Telco more broadly, is a wealthy industry, right? So there's money to spend and investment to happen, and there's a, a mandate to grow. Uh, which is why we're hiring and why we're making all these investments now. So I think, you know, from a, a young talent point of view, that ticks all the boxes from my point of view. Uh, so, mm. yeah. Do we see any, like, gender issues moving forward in the world of digitalization? Is it like, how do you see it now? I know the, the movement of, like, the girl geeks and everything being an important one in the decade gone by. Mm. Do, do, do you see that popping up anywhere in terms of attracting talent? Not if I can have anything to do with it. Both my girls are doing coding lessons. I think the idea, yeah. the idea of, uh, I mean, these are one of these skill sets which I think, you know, was a little bit more... It's more of a function of, of the time uh, 15 to 20 years ago when maybe the people who now have 10 to 15 years of experience were going through university and learning some of these skills. But now this stuff can be done online and we see you know, women coming through in these fields uh, across the board. So, yeah, I'm quite hopeful that that corrects itself organically over time. It doesn't need to be forced because, you know, we're seeing it happening already. I love it. So as a parent, you're actually like, did you have to force your daughter? So nope. did, did they want to do it by themselves? No, nope. specifically the younger one as a natural knack for this stuff. And I think that's a good way of pulling her off Roblox and Minecraft is actually showing her actually how it's built underneath that. And I think, you know, you know I mean, there's no doubt we need more women coders. So if I can help in my small way, I'll, I'll definitely do that. I will, yeah, yeah, I will yeah. see this, you know, hints for Mikey's as well. <laughs> so Roblox yeah, yeah, and Minecraft, yeah. this is... But they uh, offer that in school now, yeah. right? I mean, that, that was not yeah. something that existed yeah. when I went through school. So yeah. now, you know, they, they can pick electives and do coding. It's amazing. So, yeah. yeah. But I think this, you know, the basic coding and the basic data stuff now impacts every single one of us. So no matter mm. what position or role we are having, that these skills are important uh, going forward into the mm. future. So whether you are in HR or in finance or in commercial technology, you know, you have to understand right now data and uh, make your... Yeah decisions much more data-driven. You have to understand basics of coding and having your website or Instagram page or whatever. So much more digital. So that skill set is also important for all of us. I am very aware of the thing that you said earlier on, John, where you said, you know, you have to at least be a little bit technically minded. You have to have an interest in the thing. Yes. And there's this point of entry that I'm, I, I don't think curious is the right word, but I guess I'm, it's really important, I think, that we keep thinking, even as age appears before us, that we keep thinking we can learn new things and that we don't plateau mm. and that we don't start settling saying, oh, well, that's not going to be me or my generation. You know, I don't do that platform. I don't do that app. I think there's some kind of courage. It's nearly bordering on like social shame if you don't know the latest stuff these days, right? So following through that idea of yours I don't know where I'm going with this, so help me out if I don't land correctly. <laughs> but following through that idea of yours, John, of like how, how some of it is going to have to come from the inside of Deutsche Telekom and it should be beautifully blended and mixed with high-end talent coming from the outside. If I was sitting on the inside and feeling a bit insecure about my own technical ability, what is the piece of advice you could give me? Reach out to us. I mean, we love talking about our topic. I think mm. you can see. <laughs> so, mm. uh, and the team does. And I think, you know, when you've got a, a team that's as passionate as this one, working on topics as, you know, as interesting as these, you know, it's not hard to grab us 
um, maybe not in the cafeteria anymore, but maybe over WebEx mm. and interact. And I think in the day-to-day work, you know, there's always an opportunity for digital. We spend as much time talking to the finance guys or the HR guys now about the work that they're doing over there as well. So it doesn't just need to be app development or website development. Mm. There's opportunities to, mm. to learn in this space and they will serve you well no matter which career you're taking, uh, certainly in this industry. I bet you 10 years from now, the podcasts are actually led by robots, huh? <laughs> because they've discovered that robots are better podcast Sentient leaders. podcast hosts, that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> Hannah, uh, if you allow me, actually, as I mentioned in the very beginning, I have a number of questions. So if I can just uh, go one by one and read as they came. Oh, to you John. sure can. can just to Please. So, John, one question was, we have one app. It was a big development for Europe in Deutsche Telekom. What is the next big thing, next big technology coming for, for Europe? After one app. So I think one app was a step in the direction of seeing whether we could develop something centrally and deploy it across many. I think, you know, developing products centrally and deploying them across multiple countries is, has its own risks and mm-hmm. challenges. So we wanted to put our toe in the water to check, you know, how that would work. And I think the proof point is it, it did work. Um, mm-hmm. And with support from the NATCOs, we could find, you know, for certain use cases or certain challenges, we could make that work. And I think we'll do more of the same now. But it won't just be across digital space. It'll be, you know, across, as you know, the new team has been brought together between telco products, so broadband and and television, along with the engineering and the IT team and the digital team. That's all one team now. So we all sort of operate together. Before that bringing together, I think, you know, we had lots of interactions and lots of overlaps. But now it's much more formalized and, and much more sort of brought together. So over the next... 12 to 18 months, we'll be making steps into, you know, deploying Android television, again, by the mm-hmm, same team mm-hmm. um, across the group, launching RDK for broadband, mm-hmm. uh, which will sort of really greatly improve the customer's experience with um, their broadband and router topics. So I think, you know, we'll be definitely moving into, into the home, into customer interactions and expanding our capabilities there. Sounds like a lot of potential in there, Hannah. Oh, God, yeah. Gosh, this is interesting. Okay, next one. Future of digital marketing skills required. And what interesting use cases from Natcos can we share in the area of digital marketing? I might answer that question slightly differently. So I think digital marketing is an area where you can do any sort of insight and reading on. And I think there's lots of schools of thought about where that's going. I think maybe what's more interesting for us is how that relates in our context. So a traditional brand will have to use the traditional digital marketing tool to interact with customers. As a telco, I don't think we have to do that. We already have 60% of our customers growing on the app, which means we don't have to pay Google and Facebook Mm. for that marketing. We already run an Android Mm -hmm. um, operating system for television, which means we can communicate with our customers directly directly without having to pay third parties to do that. Now, that's a luxury that we have that we need Mm. to do more of. I keep telling my team, Mm. the End outcome ideally would be where we spend zero money on performance marketing. Brand would always be there, but performance marketing, those budgets could eventually become zero because why would you ever have to Mm. use a traditional digital marketing tool if you can make contact with customers Mm. directly through the the channels that we have already today that customers Mm. are interacting with? Those are the areas Mm. where I think we're we're doubling down on and focusing on. And that's the skill you mentioned so many times today. Yes. Exactly. And last one from my side, Uh, in order to become a digital expert, does age come into play? Age? Do I have to be at a certain age to be an expert? Absolutely not. I think, again, as mentioned before, this is a part of the business which is not so old and there's no such thing as a 20 or 30 year veteran in digital. It doesn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. If you knew a lot about the industry four years ago and then you 
went into a black box and, mm. and came out again today, you'd basically you know, be having to start again from scratch. It's moving so quickly now. So I think with the right mindset mm. and the right interest and the right ability to, to churn and learn, mm-hmm. um, you, know, you, you, can, you can do it at any age. I think there's no restrictions there. Thank you. Just start. I love that point so much. I want us to say it out loud again because I think it is just so important that the idea of an expert isn't, as a matter of fact, changing because being an expert at something for 20 or 30 years, which is actually maybe combined with the expertise role of old, right? That's no longer the way for any one of us because the it is changing so quickly. Correct. So actually now that that changes for me, that the definition of an expert is no longer someone who's like been at something for 20 or 30 years, but it is someone who has a certain mindset about being able to take on board the new thing. 100%. Going with the flow. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, Again, an expert is someone who understands the field deeply and potentially better than their peers, not someone who's been doing it for 20 years because that's not relevant in this context. So in a way, I'm being daring now, but expertise has changed from being having experience to having a mindset. Yeah, that, that's a good way of describing it. I like that. I might use that one. I find that. I find <laughs> that so inspiring because that does, that, that means it's true what we're saying. You know, we're trying to go beneath the surface of the corporate lingo here and saying that anyone of any age can apply. That would be like blah, blah, blah to me. But mm. if you're telling me that mindset is no longer to do with 20, 30 years of expertise, it's to do with a mindset that actually would help me, even at an older age, dare to think that I could be a talent. Absolutely. There's no such thing as a 20 or 30-year expert in digital. They don't exist. Exactly. Oh, thank you for landing that for me. That is so cool. I think that is so cool. You learned something, Hannah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think Even today, I learned something. Yeah, not getting really right now high on time. John, would you like to say anything at the end of the podcast? Anything to share with the listeners and employees in DT? No, no, I think, um, you know, again, thanks for the opportunity to come and chat. As I think you can tell, we love talking about the topic. Looking forward to continue to, to interact with the NACOs. I think, you know, nothing happens without the last mile being delivered and developed by the teams that work across the countries. I love this job. I love this opportunity and I love working with these guys. So I feel, you know, incredibly blessed to have this opportunity. I'm looking forward to having a big 2021. Mm. Thank you, John. And like you said, we'll just keep that invitation open, right? You're saying pick up the phone and call the team or send you guys a text. Send me, put my, you put, put, put my mobile number there. Um, I'm happy to take a WhatsApp. I love that. <laughs> Thanks, John. It was a pleasure. Thank you very don't much. Don't say it if you don't mean it. Okay, Not thank you, John. Nice to meet you. Take care. Take care. See ya. To find out the deeper meaning of talent and its human aspects in business environments, subscribe to the Human Centric Podcast and stay tuned.